to episode 79 of the Matt Jones podcast. Happy to be joined. Well, first of all, I'm back in Kentucky and uh, we're going to have this week, hopefully have my friend Bobby Bones. I'm going to hopefully take that tomorrow. So probably only have two this week. Dan Orlovsky got too busy for me. So hopefully we'll do hit uh, show with him next week, but we are happy to be joined by Steve Romines, the lawyer extraordinaire in the city of Louisville and the defense attorney that I always say, if I were to ever get charged with something, God forbid, that's serious, I'm going to have Steve uh, defend me. He's been on here a couple times with us in the past. Steve, how are you? I'm good, Matt. How are you? Doing well. Now, I want to give a little background for folks. People sort of know who you are who've listened to this, but with all that's going on, part of why I wanted to bring you on is to talk about a lot of the issues that, in terms of the criminal justice system that have come up in the last few weeks, and then specifically, you represent the family of David McAtee. That's the, the owner of the barbecue restaurant who was killed during the protest, and we'll get to that in a minute. But let me start with this, because you have been, uh, you've been in the criminal justice system your whole life as an attorney since you've been practicing law. You've seen these protests. I mean, you've seen a lot of the uh, the stuff going on all over the country. What is your initial reaction to what's happened the last three weeks? Uh, I, I I actually believe we are at a tipping point um, in that the the thing that I, I see the most that's different now. One is all the phones. I mean, the the all the examples of police brutality at the police brutality protests are, are really eye-opening to most people. Um, you know, like people like my wife and my mom and, and those people who haven't really been involved in it, they can't believe that cops do this to people. I mean, they're, they're surprised. And it is, I, I believe that it has been eye-opening to so many people uh, and especially the younger generation but what I also believe, too, is if nothing else, it will have an effect down the line on jurors in that in criminal cases, jurors will be less likely to, to give cops credibility that they gave them before. In excessive force cases, they're going to be lighting people up. Okay, well, uh, let me go back when you say, because uh, I, I think you're right about that. I mean, I think phones have changed everything. You mentioned your wife. I mean, I think younger generations actually oddly have trust less, trust institutions less across the board, be it government, be it police, be it religion. I mean, I just think younger generations just don't trust institutions. I feel like older generations sort of have this belief that the benefit of the doubt not only goes to the cops, you give them a huge benefit of the doubt. Do you think that is changing Absolutely. I think it's changing. However, it is not changing for, you know, if you only watch Fox News, then it's not changing for you because that that's the, the mindset that, that they're still promoting. Uh, but if you are really have your eyes open, uh, then it's it's changing for everybody. Like I, my wife is a perfect example of uh, I mean, she's astounded that how these cops are treating people. And that she's, you know, she sees on the news and, you know, she would have never until this happened, she would have never really thought it because, you know, I, I, I was last weekend, I was at a, uh, my daughter's birthday party. She's 20 years old. Uh, she's a junior at center and she had about 15 of her friends and they were talking to me about the cases and just kind of what's going on. And a lot of them were, were kind of, you know, they were saying just, kind of how racist a lot their grandparents or parents could be and that type thing. And, and I said, guys, here's what you don't understand. It's, I would be the same way, but for the fact that I've been immersed in it for 30 years, you know, I'm from Edmonton. Uh, you know, I, I had a few black friends, but there wasn't many black people that I grew up with. I, I don't have that many black friends now because I just, you know, where I social, of course, 
basically I raise kids and work and play golf. But, you know, I, I just, I'm not, I have some black friends, but I'm not around them very often. And, you know, of course they say, if you can say how many black friends you have, then that's a problem in itself. Um, but I have just witnessed firsthand uh, just the systemic racism in the justice system. And it's not just the criminal justice system either. It is the justice system as a whole. Well, let's talk about that because it's interesting. I've watched you, I've known you now for almost 15 years and you, and I actually have seen your opinions, not maybe on this issue. Cause I think you've felt like this since I knew you, but on issues as a whole, I've watched your opinions change over the last 15 years, quite a bit, actually. You're immersed in the criminal justice system as much as anyone I know. We've ha we've done a podcast on all the various ways the justice system is tilted against African-Americans and against the poor. It's both economic and uh, I think uh, race-based uh, prejudice. Correct. Uh, it, I mean, it is, there's no question, socioeconomically poor people get screwed in a criminal justice system. Black people get screwed in a criminal justice system and poor black people have z literally no chance. So explain to people what that means. I mean, explain to people the, the uh, some examples of ways in your experience that that occurs. I mean, one of the ways is you're a great lawyer. You cost money and they don't have access to people like you. I assume that's one of the starting ways. That is one of the starting ways is the ability to finance a defense expert witnesses, investigators, lawyers, those type things. However, you know, I, I was on a, uh, you know, I, you and I couldn't start this because I actually had a court appearance today on a federal death penalty case in which I agreed to be appointed to represent a, uh, an African-American man on that case. And I take about one of those or, or, you know, one a year, uh, sometimes one every two years cause they take forever and you don't want to have too many death penalty cases going on. But, it is just from my experience of trying cases of the same defendant, very similar case. If I've got a white defendant, I've got a better chance at trial just, just because. Now, if, is if, that just, is that jury based? Is that jury, judge based? What do you mean? Both uh, jury based as much as anything. Um, and, and it's because again, it's, they haven't, you know, you've got a lot of jurors who haven't been around them, but, you know, again, if there are people who, let, let, let me be clear, and I've probably said this before on one of the other podcasts, if you have a criminal trial or a plaintiff's trial in which you've got a jurors made up of white baby boomers, you're fucked. You have zero chance because they believe every plaintiff is out for money and they believe every defendant is guilty and they believe every black defendant is, you know, truly, um, you know, so when you say to, they that, want to convict them for something they're not even charged with. So when you say yeah. the criminal justice, at least on this point, the criminal justice system is biased racially. Is that really just a reflection of the bias of society since these are jurors that are just regular human beings? Well, no, it's systemic too, in that judges, African-Americans get longer sentences uh, for similar cases. They get jail time when white people don't um they get you know they will not get as good an offer so they oftentimes will have to go to trial uh in which you know a similar situated uh white defendant won't um and they get you know they get charged more cops just stop them you know that's one of the things of all the protests we have going on and and everything going on if you eliminated the war on drugs tomorrow half of it goes away because that's why a lot of these people, you know, the whole few bad apple cops, there's a hell of a lot more than a few. But the reason those people become cops is so they can do whatever they want. And the, the war on drugs is what allows them to do that. It's why cops carry machine guns. It's why they wear bullshit ass camouflage in the streets of Louisville. You know, the, the, the jungles of Louisville, you really need camo to, to protect you. But, you know, they, they, they wear that, you know, that the warrior cops arose out of the war on drugs and the war, the, the, the rise of the warrior cop is the inherent problem with all of this because warriors are trained to go overseas and kill the enemy. 
cops are supposed to be peace officers protecting their own citizens. And when their mindset is that they're warriors, all they're doing is just unleashing that on their own citizens. And, you know, I will go off on it some, but part of the reason they do that instead of joining the service is they want to carry a gun where people can't shoot back at them. And they it's, want people- Now there's going to be a lot of, let me stop you right here for a second, because I, I, I like you and I know you, and I also know where you're coming from. A lot of people don't know you are friends with lots of cops. You, you are not someone who hates cops in general. And so some people will hear what you say and say, oh, it's just dude who hates cops. I want people to understand when I met you, Steve, you were, you may still be, I don't know, but a Republican, a fairly conservative dude in a lot of ways and friends with a lot of cops. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I all mean, those that, things that, may still be true, but like, this is not coming from somebody who's just like a cop hater. No, it's not. But I mean, I have seen it and I have dealt with them for so, but he, here's an interesting point about that, Matt is about 20. So the first big case I tried the, the really the case that put me on the map as a, as a criminal defense lawyer in Kentucky, I was young was the last huge race riot case we had in Louisville the Adrian Reynolds, Tim Barnes case. Mm-hmm. And he was a corrections officer that was charged with, with killing a black inmate and they rioted, you know, there were riots and all that. And the issue with that, he was acquitted. I was his lawyer. He was found not guilty at trial. We had to transfer the trial to Lexington because of all the riots here, but he was actually killed Adrian Reynolds by the cop who beat the shit out of him and arrested him and brought him into corrections. And, you know, his brain starts swelling and then he starts, you know, uh, going into hallucinations and, and whatnot. And my client, Tim Barnes, tries to stop him from hanging himself. It all goes haywire and he gets indicted for murder. The reason he got indicted is because he's a corrections officer and not a cop. And they have so less authority. Uh, you know, they so have so little political pull and all those. But the other problem I have with 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 the police shooting cases is this the law of self-defense is the same for every person regardless of what job you do and somehow we have created this heightened self-defense standard for cops and it does not exist yes you know the brianna taylor killers okay they should have already been arrested And if they weren't cops, they would have got arrested that night. And, you know, people say, let's talk about, let's talk about, let's talk about it. Okay. So I'm going to give you my take on it and you know more about it than I do. And I want you to feel free to tell me I'm wrong. Okay. Okay. So I see that case and it's a terrible tragedy. I mean, terrible tragedy. It, the, the police department, from what I understand tells these cops to go execute this no knock warrant, which now actually they, they chose to do it. They chose to what, do it. Okay. That what is different. Was, what happened was the, the drug dealer that they're trying to get Glover. All right. They raided him earlier in the week and didn't find anything. And so he puts on Facebook a picture, you know, of him flipping the bird at the cop, making fun of him. Okay. Right? They immediately go get five no knock warrants against him and various family and friends of his to to for for no other reason than just to harass him right because if you know if the cops want to screw with you if they go raid rachel's apartment right now that's going to upset the shit out of you yeah and part of the reason they did it was for that the stuff they put in the warrant and the application for the search warrant turned out to not be true they said postal inspectors observe things they didn't observe them all those are false. Okay. There, there, there are multiple things in there are false, but that they did have a warrant signed by a judge. Okay. And so they went into the apartment on that. So go ahead with your, so they go in and understandably the man, what's the man's name? Uh, Walker Walker. He thinks somebody's breaking in his house, which I can, because who wouldn't, I can understand on the door at one o'clock repeatedly beat on the door they ask who it is and he says no they won't answer and now the cops say we identified ourselves why go through the trouble of getting a no-knock warrant if that's what you're going to do yeah you know so so he shoots because he's worried somebody's breaking in 
they shoot back. 22 he, times. He shoots 20, one shot. They shoot 22 shots. Never hit him who fired the shot, but hit his girlfriend eight times so, and shoot into the neighboring apartments. So explain to me, if you were the prosecutor, what you would charge them with and why. I would charge them with murder. And here is why. Because if I shoot somebody in their apartment, I'm getting indicted. And I'm, you know, they have a defense. Let's be clear. They have a defense that he shot first. They have a defense that we were executing a warrant. We were acting good. Walk your ass over to court and you tell it to a jury and see if they agree with you. Because that's what happens to every other person who kills somebody. You get indicted, and if you've got a defense, you see if a jury agrees with it. And if they don't, you go to jail. But the first thing you do is you have to sit your ass in there and let 12 citizens decide if you're right or not. The only people in society that that does not happen to are cops. Every other person who kills somebody, they get arrested immediately. But, but don't you think, I mean, to be fair, don't you think, I understand what you're saying, but the, the police are different. I mean, if I break into a person's house, I have no reason to be in their house. They are executing no. a warrant. Now, we can say that the warrant shouldn't have been issued. I agree oh, with no. you on that. And, Matt, what I'm telling you is that is a very good defense for them, that we were executing a warrant. And if a jury agrees with them, good for you. So you do you won. believe that, like, every time a cop kills someone, they should be indicted for murder? What I'm telling you is if every situation we are looking at now, it happens to an ordinary citizen, they're indicted for murder. David McAtee, if, if somebody else had shot him, right, even after he shoots first in the air, let's say he shoots first, they're shooting pepper balls at him, he shoots in the air, and somebody else shoots him and said, hey, I was acting in self-defense, he fired a shot, they're getting arrested and indicted for murder, and they can argue self-defense to the jury. So you just don't the believe – I mean, I, I'm just so I understand what you're saying. You don't believe that we should look at the cops – different from other citizens except in extraordinary cases because they are not the law of self-defense applies to the police just the way it applies to ordinary citizens and it is uh if you have a reasonable belief and fear for your life then you can use deadly force but the only time citizens get to say that is at trial i've had multiple i mean i've, I've tried over 200 jury trials matt i've probably tried 40 murder cases. I've tried 10 murder cases with self-defense or more, oftentimes when the other guy had a gun also. My clients don't get the, the benefit of the doubt of saying, oh, well, the guy had a gun. No, we have to go to trial and, and take the chance of getting convicted. And that's where it, you know, that, that's the inherent problem with it is, do you own a gun, Matt? No. Okay. If I own a gun, if something, a fight breaks out or something, somebody's trying to whip me and I pull a gun out, I'm going to be damn hesitant before pulling the trigger on that person unless I think I'm about to die. Because I know if I shoot somebody, I'm going to get charged. Cops don't have that same fear. They're shooting no matter what because they don't ever get charged. It, 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 but, it's, I mean, it's, I, Steve, I, you, you know, you're, our sympathies lie similarly, but there's a part of me, though, that... And I, 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 you, I defer to you on your knowledge of what happens with average citizens on self-defense cases. You would know much better than I. But there is a role to sort of say, you don't just charge everybody that shoots somebody. I mean, it, it, the, 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 you don't put everything in the jury's hands. I mean, the prosecutors do have to look and say, is there even enough here to put this in front of a jury? Okay, well, let's just say that. Kenneth Walker... What did they put in front of the jury in Kenneth Walker's case, of Breonna Taylor's boyfriend? They put well, that he shot a cop. Yes, right. You're right. He, he shot a cop. They didn't say that he was a legal gun owner. They didn't say that we broke into house without a with a no knock warrant. They didn't say, you know, we we killed his girlfriend. They didn't tell the jury any of those things. They All didn't they tell. Was, I didn't know that. They didn't tell no, the grand jury that. They didn't tell the grand. The grand jury took two minutes. Two I minutes to indict So they him. did not tell the grand jury any of those facts? None of those facts did they tell the grand jury. Wow, it was a two-minute proceeding. We, there's a recording of it. It lasted two minutes. And, but, but that's what happens. And that's the difference is 
if, if it's a borderline case and they want to get a charge, they just give them the bare facts. He shot a cop and, you know, almost killed him, hit him in the leg, it was serious physical injury, all that. Uh, and they charged Walker with attempted murder and died, arrested him that night. Now, the same situation where the cops do it, they still hadn't completed the investigation. And the other difference is when they present their case to the grand jury, and I believe they will because they think the grand jury provides political cover to them, is they'll tell them every single thing in the world, right? They'll, they'll tell them every time if, if uh, Walker ever had a speeding ticket, you know, they'll tell them all the facts about Breonna Taylor's ex-boyfriend who's a drug dealer. None of that shit has anything to do with that case. But what they're trying to do is poison the grand jury so they don't return an indictment. If you're you, you, so okay, now this argument, this argument I follow a lot more. You're basically use the Walker example. And for people who, if we skipped over it, that's Brianna Taylor's uh, boyfriend, boyfriend who shot the cop when they came in the house. Correct. You're sort of using the difference in how he was treated when he was indicted. Now they've dismissed that indictment once all this started. But okay, well, let's back indicted. up to that for a second. All right. He, get, he fires a shot at one in the morning to people breaking in his house, right? They kill his girlfriend. They immediately arrest him for attempted murder, right? He's a legal gun owner in his own residence. They arrest him for attempted murder, set a quarter of a million dollar bond on him, present the case to the grand jury, testify for two minutes, don't tell them that they shot his girlfriend or that we went in his house, um, and he gets indicted for attempted murder. When the judge first hears the case, here's the facts of the case. Now, uh, Mr. Walker was lucky that he had a really good lawyer, about the best there is in, in period, best there is, Rob Eggert. And he presents to the judge, judge, look at all this shit that they didn't tell the grand jury. Let's look at the facts of these cases, of this case. He shouldn't be in jail. When the judge lets him out of jail on the home incarceration, on what is clearly a just a drummed up case, the chief of police issues a statement uh, of umbrage against the judge. The FOP president issues a statement complaining about the judge letting him out. Guy shot a cop, how can you let him out of jail? My problem also is, dude, your role is done here. You don't have a fucking seat at this table. You don't get to complain when the judge makes a ruling and lets somebody out on bond. You get, if we call you to testify, you show up, you sit your ass in the chair and we'll question you. Other than that, shut up just like every other citizen does. Yeah. Uh, is, but it, let, let me, let me talk about one other thing, Matt. Okay. The, the, a better example, a better example is the Wendy's case in Georgia. Mm -hmm. Okay. Where, the guy's drunk and he runs from them and wrestles with them and all that and has a taser. If any single person in Kentucky that's not law enforcement shoots somebody in the back as they're running away, they are arrested for murder immediately. Now they can argue to the jury, oh, I, I, he fought me and he had to take all that stuff, but they are arrested immediately. And because the prosecutors will say, Hell, he killed the guy. Let's, I just have to let a jury decide it. And that's my problem with the, with the police shootings and not charging them is you're letting one person being the elected prosecutor decide who gets charged and who doesn't. And it is also a person who works hand in glove with those same police forces every day. What should happen is you charge them you treat them like everybody else and let a jury decide if they're guilty or not. And a lot of them, you know, all the cops in Breonna Taylor's case, they might be acquitted, right? All the cops in David McAtee's case, they might be acquitted, but they should stand trial first and put their defenses out there. So how do you respond to what I know people would say, which is if you do it the Steve Romine's way, which is you kill somebody, we let the jury decide you're not going to be able to get people to be cops or at least you're not going to get people be, who will feel comfortable do that. What, what's your response to that? Well, you'll get a lot less cops who kill people and you'll get a lot fewer shootings than you get now. If they know that they're going to face the same consequences as everybody else, then they're going to be a hell of a lot. They'll do a lot more to try to deescalate than they do now. 
but I want less cops, right? There should be fewer cops than there are now. We've spent so much money on law enforcement budgets that could have been used elsewhere and we're no further down the line than we've ever been. I mean, Matt, how long ago was it that you and I had the podcast where I t said the war on drugs is the biggest failure in American history? That was four or five years ago, yeah. Right? It's gotten worse in the five years. I mean, all of these cases are a result of that. I mean, they the, because it gives them reason to pull over black people, you know, pretextual stops to, to pull them over. It gives reason to search them. All of these things are, are a result of that. But... The one thing about law enforcement too is, and again, you're going back to, I have friends who are lots of cops. They're the good apples. Okay. Well, let me ask and, you about that. Let me ask you about good, good apple cops. Cause I, I believe, and again, this is anecdotal, but I believe most cops are good cops. I believe most cops are not happy in these situations, but I also believe that most cops don't tell on their own cops when the they bad don't. Ones are there. And here's, here's why Matt. I mean, here, here's a, here's exactly why. And I, I have talked to, again, I've been in this 30 years. I've talked to lots of cops about it. I've dealt with dirty cops. I've hell I've represented dirty cops. Okay. Um, the reason they don't get told on is because the other cops know it is, it is really professional suicide to, to turn somebody else in. They will not advance. They will face, uh, I mean, they will face backlash from their fellow officers. I mean, think about, let's, let's just use a, a, an example. If one of the assistant coaches for Louisville, when Patino was here and they're running wild, turns them into the NCAA, do you think that coach would be ostracized? Yes. Absolutely he would be. That's the way cops are, is if you turn a fellow officer in, for misconduct, you are ostracized, and it is the end of your professional career. So, what do you do the, about that? I mean, no, how do stop, you fix? Stop. How do you fix there's that? One more, there's one more thing about it, and I know this because I've talked to them. The biggest reason why they're afraid to do it is because, as they say, there will come a time when I call for backup, and I am really in fear that I need backup, and if I'm the one that's turned them in. That backup is a lot slower to get there, hmm. and that's intentional. So uh, what do you do? I mean, I, I hear that. That makes perfect sense to me. I believe that. What can you do about that? You have to reward the cops who expose wrongdoings, not ostracize them and not punish them. Because what happens now is, is they are punished. I mean, if you look at one of the shooters in the, in the uh, Taylor case, uh, Brett Hankinson, right? I'll call him by name. Uh, he has been, there have been complaints filed against him for 20 years. And he's on the merit board. I mean, the bad cops are who advance. The good cops get stuck back. And was there a moment for you, Steve, where this, you, you mentioned your wife, and I, I don't think it's just your wife. I think there are a lot of people who, when the George Floyd thing happened, everything just changed in their minds about this. And we'll talk later about why that is. But was there a moment for you, because you've been saying this for a long time, when it clicked and you went, maybe the things I thought before this were not correct? Uh, yeah, I mean, really for me, regarding police is is just when I first got into, you know, defending criminal cases. And, but again, I have watched, you know, I've defended black people and white people on basically the same case. And they try to give them worse deals. The cops, you know, the cops try to impact the cases of the black guys more so than they do the white guys. Do you they think that's just right? Do you think that's just pure unadulterated racism? Uh, partially. But part of it is that the war on drugs, again, has infected the mindset of police and that they believe that blacks deal drugs at a higher level, all right? Okay. And, and there are more black drug dealers. And so they have come to view them as the enemy in a certain degree. And, and that is that has infected that as well. Now, if you notice, though, in the last few years, when you know the opiate crisis has, has really 
impacted uh, and, and you've got a lot more white people that get addicted, uh, a lot more white people, then we've really started already yeah, rolling changed, back. Yeah. yeah, we started rolling back the war on drugs. Uh, yeah, Charles Booker says that. Charles Booker did, a, did an interview with me for, the, for Mitch Please, the book, and he said, you know, for years, when my people got addicted, we went to jail. And now white people get addicted and it's not a criminal justice problem. It's a recovery problem. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. Well, there is a ton of truth to it. And, but part of it also is, so, and it may be that it's back to the same thing we said of until you experience it firsthand, you don't appreciate the problem is, you know, it, I probably believed, you know, as we know, hell, i worked for Mitch in 87. So um, that the war on drugs, when it happened, might work. You know, tr clearly drugs are a scourge on society. But after 40 years, we have realized not only does it not work, it causes more harm than good. And so if you still believe it after realizing how a colossal failure it has been, then the only reason is just modern day Jim Crow, which is part of what it is as well. Um, do you think I, I heard someone on TV, I, I talked about this with Ricky Jones a little bit. I, I heard someone on TV say, look, Matt, we do have racist cops. It actually wasn't TV. Somebody said this to me privately. We do have racist cops, some, but the bigger issue is that cops after a while just look as criminals or people who might be criminals as lesser humans anyway. And so that that causes them to not be even see the person as a human. And that's why a lot of this happens. Do you buy that? Yeah. I mean, yes, I, I believe that they do that. However, they view blacks much more so. Um, and, and are much more like, again, one of the biggest problems with the systemic racism is how they are pulled over and targeted much more than, than we'll talk about that. You've had a lot of experience in that regard. Talk about, do you believe black people are systematically more pulled over? I mean, I don't believe it, it is a fact. I mean, it, it, it's just a fact. I mean, the studies bear it out. Um, and so, yes, I believe it. I mean, it's like, I believe that, sun rises in the east i mean it, <laughs> yeah. I, I know it happens um and but do is that because you know again i think a lot of that goes back to the war on drugs and pretextual stops you know they have you know cops have found if i certain kind of cars i pull over with a black guy driving there's a chance i'll find some weed in it and so they do it and they pull them over for not using a turn signal or you know didn't dim their lights or wind is too tainted. I mean, I've seen all the same bullshit. Um, and, you know, pull them over and say, I smelled weed and pull you out of the car and search. It. All that's lies. All right. But it, it gives them, you know, gives them a reason to search. Now, what we are seeing more so now is people actually recording those encounters. Yeah. And that, that's how, um, you know, that's how, but the other thing too, about what's going on now too, is if you just look, all the protest stuff you're seeing, like the guy in Buffalo who got pushed down, their first report said he tripped and fell. That's obviously a lie. I mean, that's what is that, but that is what has always happened. The official statement is whatever has to protect them. And, and so that's what they say. Uh, but back, back to your point also, Matt, about people not wanting to be cops is they are all underpaid. And they are most under, most of them are undereducated, right? And the reason they're undereducated is because if you've got a, a degree of higher education, you don't want to take the job for that pay. So you are attracting a certain amount of, of uh, people who are getting into it for reasons that they don't, you, we don't need them in it. You know, that they're getting into it. I mean, you've seen The Departed, right? Yes. One of the best movies ever. When Leo tells the psychiatrist, Part of the reason they do it is because they want to shoot somebody. There's a people that go into law enforcement because they want to be able to get on the muscle with somebody. So do you, so, all right. So I agree with you that cops are underpaid, but you also say, and I think this is true. We're putting too much money. You hear all this defund the police stuff. And what does that mean? How, well, how are they the both underpaid and we're spending too much money on police? 
because we well because you know one Brett Hankinson drew one hundred fifty thousand dollars in overtime last year. You know, you've got people. Uh, you know, is that right in overtime? Yeah, Good I mean, God. again, it's in the paper today. Or you know, hundred thousand dollars. It, it's just the whole thing is just rife for for corruption. But it's you know they got St. Matthews Police Department has a tank. No, they, they don't. They, they have a tank. Yeah, they do. Yeah, that, I mean. <laughs> The, the the military militarization of law enforcement is 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 an inherent part of the problem as well. Is it it has made them believe that they are soldiers, and one of the first things I think the next chief of police should do in Louisville is no more camo bullshit, no more fatigues and all that stuff. You wear a, a police officer's uniform, you put a tie on, and you wear a hat and shine your shoes. Uh, you 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 look like a police officer. And, you know, because when, when they're, you know, concealed carrying and wearing, you know, fatigues and body armor all the time and all that stuff, it, it, it's just, it is, it is it's, giving them the it mindset. It's a psychological mindset. Now, it does. But one other thing about it, Matt, too, is, is, you know, they're underpaid and they're undereducated and they don't receive enough training. Okay. They, they you have, you get more training to dye your hair more hours of training to dye your hair than law enforcement gets to on escalation of force. But Let's talk. Here's what, now let me, let me say this. It's of the one job in the world where you should be able to fire somebody easily. If you think they're a danger, they're the hardest to fire. Hmm. Yeah. And I mean, you, you basically can't fire. And so you're giving somebody a gun give them the authority to put people in prison and to kill people really and not get charged. And they can't really even be fired for it. Uh, I mean, you talk about a recipe for disaster. That's what you're getting. When you saw the George Floyd video, I, so I saw it in the morning. I, Rachel works overnight and she said, you need, you know, you need to watch this. And I watched it and I thought it was one of the most disturbing things I'd seen. And I sort of said to her, this is going to be a big thing. And it does seem like because there's no argument, like he just killed the guy. Like there's no, there's really no way to even make a counter argument. I think that's partially why there was such outrage. What was your reaction the first time you saw it? It's a snuff film. I mean, it's, it's, it's a snuff film. It just shows them killing him. And the other thing about it is how the rest of them just sit there and watch well, why do you think uh, that happened? It's easy to it's easy to do the one guy because clearly he just murdered him. What about the other three? What what happened with the other three? Do you think? Uh, part of I mean, again, part of it could be that that you know the the actual killer, Shavan, uh, you know he's the you know he's the worst one. He's the loudest one. They're, They're scared of him or something. Him, could be scared of him. Could be a superior officer. And it's back to the point of they're afraid to do anything because they get ostracized if they take issue with something. You know, you, you're basically violating the code by taking the side of a defendant against the law. You know, you're breaking the blue line. And, I mean, one of the things about that is also a one of the dispatch girls told the people dispatch, I don't know if you guys know what's going on, but they are, they are killing this guy. And somebody needs to do something. And dispatch didn't even respond for like 15 minutes. Really? Yeah. And which is similar to, we'll get to it, but David McAtee, he got shot and he laid in the floor of his home for 12 hours. EMS never saw it. They were never caught. He laid there in the floor while they completed the crime scene just so they could, could cover the whole thing up. Anybody else in society shot by somebody else, by, by a citizen, you think they're not going to call 911? You think they're not going to get an ambulance down there and try to save them? Of course you are. It, it, it's, it's, it is just well, let's a talk completely about David different McAtee. world. Let's talk about David McAtee because that is, I mean, you, for people who don't know, you're representing the family. And – it's odd to me as much coverage as the other stuff has gotten besides that New York times video that recreated everything. 
I really haven't seen a whole lot about that. So in your estimation, what do you think? And what, well, not just what do you think, what happened? What happened? Uh, well, they rolled into, you know, 26 and Broadway that night after the LAPD goes out and says, you know, be aware of outside agitators because that's who's causing all the problems. Now that was a lie. They, they, you know, they said that because they will say, oh, our people here aren't upset with us. It's people from somewhere else. Yeah. Basically, every police agency in the United States said outside agitators are causing problems. I'd like to know where the hell they were coming from <laughs> since every place had it. Yeah. Uh, but so LMPD says outside agitators are coming in. And they also said be on the lookout for, you know, white supremacists, people coming in with, with guns and all that. And what do they what do those people wear? What do they wear to the protest in Frankfurt? Camo, yeah, carried guns, you know, wear wore helmets, right? When they rolled out of the trucks down at 26 and Broadway, what are they wearing? Camo, carrying long guns, machine guns, and wearing helmets. And they're not announcing their police. And there are no sirens on. All they start doing is clearing people out, and then they start shooting pepper balls at them. And multiple violations of policy there's no dispute about that like what, what violations of policy just so people know well one first of all they have to announce that they're law enforcement and they have to give a reasonable time to disperse you know any sort of crap you I mean think about it matt wherever you're at if, if they come to ks bar the next time it's open walk in and say everybody get out and then they count to five and start shooting them with pepper balls you think that's okay no no they were firing pepper balls within eight seconds of arriving. And so and what, what was happening at McAtee's place? Was everybody just barbecuing? Were they just hanging just barbecuing. out? Yeah, just hanging out. It was the only place in Louisville where no protest was actually going on. I mean, literally, there's videos, and we've got them, for two hours prior to this. And there is never one bit of, uh, you know, civil unrest or anything else. It's people drinking, eating barbecue, He's cooking hamburgers. I mean, that, that's the thing about, you know, the, the, the people who he shot first and all that stuff. 40 seconds before he is shot dead, he is grilling a hamburger. Mm -hmm. 10 seconds before he is shot dead, he's serving someone a plate, about 20 seconds actually. He's serving someone a plate of food. And in that 20 seconds, he decides, oh, hey, I think I'm going to shoot a cop. It's, it's absurd that the, the position they've tried to take is ridiculous. But what happens is cops roll out, National Guard roll out. They're not identifying themselves in violation of policy. They are not, uh, they're not giving time to disperse. And one of the things about the pepper balls is, too, uh, they're supposed to shoot them at the ground because that stuff burns. I mean, it, it burns your eyes and it burns if it hits you. And it, if it hits you, it hurts. Yeah. But they're not supposed to be shooting people with those. You know, the policy is don't shoot above the waist. You know, never shoot in the head. And they're just shooting people. Well, they don't he, – he's inside. He can't see out the door. He has no reason to know that they're law enforcement or that they're shooting pepper balls. People are running in his doors saying they're shooting at us. He can't even see around a corner and he fires a shot into the air. Because obviously if someone, if it is a ride and you've got people, you know, trying, trying to shoot somebody, a, a warning shot might do some good. And of course, after, before he does that though, they've shot his knee standing right beside him, standing inside the door of his restaurant slash residence, shot her right in the shoulder. And she goes down. You can see her go back. Yeah. And she doesn't know she's been shot. He doesn't know it's a book. You know, again, when it's, when it's going down, you don't know if those are rubber bullets or lead bullets or anything else. So you he, can't he, look shoots, at he shoots the warning shot and then am I opens? Yeah. It opens the door, shoots the warning shot, comes back in. Then he comes out again. And is that eight, when he's eight, shot and killed? Eight, eight seconds later, he opens the door back up and he's shot and killed. So, are you saying in, during that time, are you saying during that time, the police never said they were the police? No, you can hear it on, you can hear it on audio. I mean, no, they never did. And never, you never see a siren. I mean, we've got videos of it. And, and again, uh, we've got all kinds of videos of it. 
we have videos from from the neighboring residents or the neighboring business their security videos we've got camera videos from multiple people we've got uh, a video from the traffic light the one videos we don't have are the ones that were required by policy to be on and that's the body cams for the cops that killed him so the none of the cops we don't, none, none of the cops had their body cams on no Diz, have you had any explanation as to why no it's well i know why it's one of three reasons they turned them off intentionally right uh individually they just said we need to turn them off they were ordered by superior officers to turn them off or they had them on and they realized just how bad it is for them and so they destroyed it but it's those are the only three because it can't be a mistake that everybody doesn't have them how many and officers we, are we talking well at least the two that are firing now uh j michael brown says well we've learned in the course of investigation that at some point in time during this some body cameras were activated so now we've got a situation where they know they work they know they're supposed to have them on but they're turning them on on and off at their convenience yeah and so so it's back to that matt and it's back to all of those things are violations of of lmpd policy and standard operating procedure now does that arise to self-defense and all that stuff? That's going to be a separate issue. But it's back to the thing of we're outlawing chokeholds. Well, who gives a shit if you outlaw them, if they do them and nothing's going to happen to them? Yeah. It doesn't make it. If you're going to violate the policies and with, with no ramifications, it doesn't make a difference what you've outlawed. A rule is not a rule without a punishment. Is what That's correct. And, and there's never – the one thing that happens on, the, on all of these cases is the criminal case, they, they – investigate the case they don't charge them uh and you know they just don't um and then the civil case they'll deny it they'll say they have immunity even though they know they violated the policies they know they killed the guy they'll go through it and say oh we had immunity and and they were acting in self-defense and uh, these policies didn't do it and his life wasn't worth much money, so we don't have to pay much money. And then finally, if it gets to trial, it's put as many racists on the jury as you can. Well, let's talk about immunity because qualified immunity is a big talking point right now. And for people who don't know, it basically means it's very hard to convict an officer. You mentioned to, a point- to Criminally prosecute or to uh, civilly- Civilly prosecute. Recover. Yeah. You, you mentioned a point, though, that doesn't get brought up enough, which always annoyed me, which is that we put the value of people's life based on how much money they make. Like when you're deciding whether it was okay, to, I don't think a lot of people know this. If you go kill somebody that makes a million dollars a year, their life is worth more if you kill them illegally than if you kill somebody who works, you know, at, at McDonald's. And that just offends me. Does it offend you? It, it is horrible, but yes, it's terrible. And it is something that was basically created, uh, not created, but by insurance companies because they're the ones paying it. And you don't have that many people making a million dollars a year, a half million dollars a year. And, and it, we're using more of an example of like automobile cases, any sort of civil recovery. Part of your recovery is lost future lost earnings, how yeah. much money you would have earned in the rest of your life. Uh, the pain and suffering that you suffered, conscious pain and suffering while you remained alive. So, and, and, and then loss of consortium of your spouse. Those mm -hmm. are really the only. There's no civil, yeah, that, there's no, that's, I think a lot of people don't know this. There's no, you just killed somebody damage. Like you no. have to like tie it to something else. So if I just go murder someone and you assume there's actually not a damage called you killed them. Correct. It's, it, it's a wrongful death claim and you have to be able to establish your damages. Um, now, and again, those are really it. There's punitive damages also, which are for gross negligence or in, in and I think they'll apply in the McAtee case for the repeated violations of, of, uh, standard operating procedure but um and that that is a pun that's an award for punishing law enforcement so let me uh, let me let me do this because I, one of the things you're good at I, over the years is is a lot of people can 
a lot of people right now are listening to this and they're going, man, this all sounds awful. So what should we do? And Steve, you're pretty good at, at actually coming up with solutions. So if Steve Romines was the mayor of Louisville or the mayor or, you know, the president of the United States, and you're trying to, to change and put in policies in place to, ch to make all of this better, tell me some of the stuff you would do. Well, the, the first thing you have to do is reduce, you, you have to get rid of all the uh, special units on LMPD, the Viper unit and all, all of those units that are, are just rife for corruption. I mean, they, they are overtime and, and, you know, excessive force claims and all those things. Put them back in uniforms. Again, you, you have to, uh, you have to demilitarize, demilitarize the, the cops because you don't wage a war against your own citizens. That that's, that's the inherent, they're supposed to be peace officers. Um, you, the, the con as soon as the contract expires with FOP, uh, the next one, if they don't want it, walk your ass home. Right. That that's, you don't want the contract fine, leave. I'll find new ones because what else are they going to do anyway? Um, do you because mean mostly have, the firing provisions that make it hard to get rid of bad officers? The firing, and well, multiple things. One is in a shooting case like this, an officer-involved shooting case, that's what it's called when law enforcement does it. It's called a murder when anybody else does it. But they have 48 hours before they can be interviewed. You shoot somebody, Matt, and say, hey, guys, give me my 48 hours. <laughs> yeah, that's no, not going to happen. None of yeah. those, that doesn't happen. And what happens is it's you either talk to us now or you're going to jail, right? And if they say, I want a lawyer, they say, well, you're going to jail. But so they get 48 hours. They have to be treated like every other citizen. If you, I mean, you know this better than anybody, Matt. Damn near everybody is an employee at will if you violate company policy. <laughs> I do know that, yes. Yeah, you know, I mean, hell, you get fired for talking bad about Amy McGrath. And a cop can shoot somebody and a complaint get filed against them and they don't get fired for it. And the other thing that, you know, as, as the FOP policy or the contract is now, their complaints filed against them, those are expunged yearly. Is that right? So, I didn't so know So they, they wow. just go away. I mean, so you can't look back and see how many times a, a cop's. They get expunged yearly? Yes. And if there, and if there's no, uh, you know, if there's no um, justification found for it or no substantiation, they're they're gone immediately. And so they, there are so many protections that they are afforded that everybody else is not, and and everybody else's jobs you're not afforded those protections. If everybody else's, um, you know, criminal conduct, everybody else's civil conduct. You, you do something, Matt, in your job that harms someone else and they sue you, right? You go in and fight it and yeah. good luck to you, right? They get, you know, half the time they get immunity or you've got taxpayers paying to defend them, you know, and they'll, they'll defend the cases all along. It's, it's similar to if, if my kids go around the neighborhood or my, my son goes around the neighborhood and shoots out the neighbor's windows with a BB gun. And they come over to my house and say, he shot your windows out with a BB gun. And he hears me say, no, he didn't. And I'm not going to take his gun away from him. And even if he did, those windows aren't worth a yeah. dollar anyway. So I'm not going to pay you. What is he going to think? He can do He's anything think, he wants. He can think he can do whatever he wants. That's yeah. exactly what happened. Whenever, if they shoot somebody, they don't get charged. If they get sued for it, they don't, you know, they, they get defended free of charge for them and they don't get fired. So that they are taught that there are literally no consequences to their actions. And the other thing too is, and, and this is back to what we're, I told you I was fired up. Yes, you did. And you are, you've done, you've, you've hit, you've done everything I'd hoped. You're like, you right. Steve Romine's to the max, but go ahead. But is, you know, and I, I was talking to a, to a cop yesterday and uh, about to, the protests and stuff. And I said, you know, you guys have got to quit, you know, whipping people. I said, it, it just, it's making it worse. And he says, man, you know, just the disrespect they're showing us. I said, you know, you're not entitled to fucking any respect. Everybody's job, you know, 
nobody owes you respect. You have to earn it. So, you know, nobody owes me respect for my job or nobody owes, you know, do you give the waiters who give you bad service respect in a restaurant? I do, but a lot of people don't, and they're not owed it. Nobody's owed respect, but law enforcement believes they're entitled to it. They're the only people in society that think you owe them their respect, and you have to do what they say. And that, that is part of the very issue now is they believe that whatever they tell you to do, you have to do it. And we, I see people who, after this happened, have, have responded to me on Twitter saying, if you just do what the cops said, none of this would have happened. I don't have to do what they say. The way it works is if I commit a crime after I commit it, then they get to do something. They don't get to tell me what to do. But the other curious thing about that is um, everybody that says, and because I had time to, not everybody, but the vast majority of the people who said, if they would have just done what the cops said, there wouldn't have been any problems. They've also had posts where they said, I'm not wearing a mask. They can't make me wear a mask. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Just do what the authorities say and nothing will happen. Well, I ain't wearing a damn mask to Applebee's, I can tell you that. You know, that's a really great point, actually, because you're right. That is a very similar view. And I would also note George Floyd did what they said. It didn't matter. No, it, it's, it does not. I mean, and, and, and let me back up to, to Matt. Of, I said again, I, I know a lot of cops and I like a lot of cops. And it can be a hard job. Yes. Right? It, it is a hard job. You didn't get drafted. You, you can go do something else if you want to do it. You know, and I, I say that, you know, I've been in death penalty trials where, I, you know, I can't sleep at night because I think, well, they, they may execute my client if there's something I miss. And, you know, my wife says something, you know, I feel sorry for you or you're working hard. And I said, I didn't get drafted. I picked it. And that's the same way with them. If they don't want to do it, don't do it. But, you know, you, you, don't, you don't get special rights that everybody else doesn't get. Steve Romines, always great stuff. You're on Twitter at at S Romines. Is that right? Yes. At S Romines. You've been uh, writing a lot about a lot of this, and I want to have you on again to talk more about this in the future. Um, uh, let me ask you this. Do you think all of these, we'll finish with this. Do you think all of these things that we've talked about, do you think this will be a turning point? Well, I do, at least in a certain regard. And it is, you know, part of everything is it's your own personal experience from it. And, you know, having been a trial lawyer for as long as I have, that's, that's what I understand. If you look throughout history, juries oftentimes are what solve most of the problems, you know, lead paint. The reason there's not lead, lead and paint anymore that, that kill people is because of lawsuits and they couldn't keep paying them. The reasons they don't market, market cigarettes to kids anymore is because of lawsuits they had to pay, right? And when we ever get to have trials again, the two things I think are going to happen, and I said it earlier is, jurors are going to be a lot less trusting of law enforcement testimony based on just what they've observed. And the excessive force cases that, you know, before were, you know, weren't great or the juries just believe the cops for whatever reason they're they know now i mean they have seen it with their own eyes and that will make it because one of the things that i know will happen is if lmpd in the city starts having to pay million dollar verdicts for cops doing shit that cop ain't that, that cop ain't gonna last very long yeah and that's true i have had two cases in the last few years where Law enforcement had to pay a million-dollar punitive award for actions against my client. And those two cops, well, they're, they're, they're not walking the beat anymore. And they, did, they didn't deserve to be. That's really a shame, by the way, that it takes a civil damage suit over someone dying. But uh, it's also the, how the world works. The one case a jury awarded $1.4 million for this cop's actions, he got a promotion. To, uh, well, before before the uh, verdict came down, he had already gotten a promotion, even though all the complaints and everything else was filed. Well, Steve, thank you very much. You're always great, and uh, miss you doing the television show. Maybe we'll get another one one day, and we can uh, talk about this stuff again. Thank you very much. All right, man. Bye.